you want to be a fly on the wall of a year-end session with my professional coach, Jan Oldenburg? You can hear the good, the bad, and the ugly of my process to hone and strategize my professional and personal work. Now, why would I share a coaching session? Is this TMI, too much information? Is it too private? Does it make me vulnerable? In last week's podcast, Matthew Hudson emphasized that you reveal something about yourself with the questions you ask, the problems you try to solve. Frankly, I am a bit anxious about sharing this, but you already know that I have little guile. I wear my life on my sleeve. I try not to say stuff I wouldn't want on a billboard. But I'm not perfect at that, of course. I reveal this session so you might sense how important coaching can be any time in your life. Early in a career, as a leader, in health, in art. I have been very fortunate to have had many coaches over the years. Some paid, some pro bono. Here are a few. Lynn Hubbard, Carol Carpenter, Luke Pelletier, Dorothy Cuccinelli, Tim Sullivan, Peter Tetralt, and my current coaches, Jan Oldenburg, Jeff Harrington, and Kayla Nelson. As you'll hear in this conversation with Jan, the output of coaching is up to me. I need to do the work. The choices are mine. This session is audio and video recorded with a transcript. You can find the video of this episode on YouTube with links on my website show notes. By the way, I thought this would be the least edited episode I've ever produced. That was true for the audio and the video, but not so much for the transcript. Welcome to Health Hats, the podcast. I'm Danny Van Leeuwen, a two-legged cisgender old white man of privilege who knows a little about a lot of health care and a lot about very little. We will listen and learn about what it takes to adjust to life's realities in the awesome circus of health care. Let's make some sense of all of this. Dan Oldenburg, I love you. And I love you, Danny. I really appreciate our relationship as it's developed over the years. I think at, at first we were human curious. And then we started doing projects together and sat on teams together and provided counsel to each other and strategized in several different forums. And it was always rich. And when I was uh, appointed to be on the PCORI Board of Governors, I'm both full of myself enough and smart enough to know that I was the right person to be selected, and I'm really good at what I do, and that there was no way I was going to reach my potential without help and, and regular counsel. 
I am honored. Yeah, thank you. To serve in this role. Yeah. And so we developed, and I insisted, even though you were very generous and very excited, and you would have done this work pro bono for me, with me, I insisted it be a business relationship. And part of that is because you got to walk the talk. No, you, yeah, that's right. You got to walk the talk. And we insist that, yeah, people need to be paid for their work. And then there was another um, not so noble motivation, which was that people that you have a business relationship will naturally be more responsive because they have a business relationship. And, and I wanted that. And, and so we've met over maybe 15 months, monthly, pretty much monthly. And for me, I think the actually the most important thing that's happened is recognizing that I needed a filter between my brain and my mouth. And <laughs> so That's just having the problem, actually. So I really understand that. <laughs> yeah, that's what's good to, okay, wait a minute. Before I, you know, go off half cocked, let's just chew on this with somebody else with Jan and why, yeah, clarify, clean it up, focus. Yeah. And so that's good. And then I think it's bringing all of my, the various threads that I'm involved in. So I am not just, I am not multiple sclerosis. I am not P. Corey Board. I am Danny Van Leeuwen and I have my fingers in a lot of pies and working on lining that stuff up with sort of life pace. How much energy do I want to be putting out in total and in what buckets and what issues and balancing all that? So that's my introduction. So what I'd like to do here is do two things. I would like to give you a chance to just talk about coaching and your feelings, approaches, philosophy. And if you want to apply any of that, you can say anything, the good, bad, and the ugly about me is fine. And then what I'd like to do is a year in review. Perfect. Perfect. Coaching is an interesting role for me in that. And honestly, Danny, this, and I hope this won't offend you, but I think this applies whether it's coaching you or coaching my adult children where, and, and, and one of the things that has been a, a critical lesson for me in building a relationship with my adult children is figuring out that they don't want me to fix their problems. They want me to be a sounding board. And that whatever advice I am teeming to give them is really not the point 
of the exercise. The point is really about helping them figure out what they want to do and what their instincts are and where they want to go. And I bring that, frankly, hard one, (laughs) and they will tell you I still struggle with it, but that's one of the things I've tried to bring into this relationship, that this isn't about, really, if I'm doing the job well, it's not about our collaborating to solve the problems. It's really about my being an echo and a witness and a uh, sounding board for you to figure out where you want to go. And that's not the easiest part of it for me, quite honestly, because I also like to solve the same kinds of problems. But it has been wonderful for me to be able to watch you and, frankly, your focus and your resilience in approaching who and what Danny is at this moment in time and in these roles. And if anything, helping you to hone that a little bit more or tune it or think about the ways that, you know, what you really want to accomplish in each of these forums and how you can best accomplish that. And I hope that's how it's felt to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does. I I think that being a reflection is important. So hearing back, you do a lot of, this is what I'm hearing you say. Sometimes it sounds right and sometimes it doesn't. And then I do like your opinions because or your advice. If it was me, I would do, I might do this. I find that helpful. I'm in in no way feel like that's okay, then I'm going to do it because I'm not like (laughs) that. I know that. that. (laughs) I'm just not like that. But I think we are people who are not black and white. We are people with a lot of gray. And that gray in and of itself, gray has so many tones and it's where to try next. And I feel like another thing that happens is the follow-up of, okay, what did we start with? We started with trust, building trust with my new colleagues, that I was in a new role. I wasn't a reviewer. I wasn't chairing a or co-chairing a advisory panel. I was a board member. And that is a very different seat. And it has different power and different obligations and different levers. And I felt like that setting the the first task is building trust. I remember the first management job I ever had was as a nurse manager of an ICU. And I was an ER nurse and paramedic at the time. And the ICU manager left 
and the nurses came to me and they knew me because of the advanced cardiac life support course I set up and taught. And they came to me and they said, we want you to be our manager. And I'm like, you guys are crazy. I've never been a manager. I have never worked in the ICU. Like how silly can that be? And they said, well, we'll teach you the ICU and you'll be a fine manager. And what gift, what yeah. gift was actually? So I went to my boss, the chief nurse, and I said, what happened? And she said, put your hat in the ring. And so I did, and I got the job. And oh my God, it was different. Just, I'll tell you two stories about how it was different. The first story was that within the first week, I realized that there were a lot of urinary tract infections amongst the staff. They weren't taking a break to go to the toilet. Oh, right. I think there was one other male nurse and the rest were females. And I was like, folks, we are smart people. We can figure out how to take breaks to go to the bathroom. Like, I know we're busy, but we are smart. We can do this. And I went to my boss and I said, I can't believe this was my first management problem. No kidding. And, no kidding. So many layers of, uh, you know, kind of irony about yeah. that, right? Yeah. And then the second was that I unilaterally ended visiting hours because it just made no sense to me that people, families, members could only come and see their family from seven to nine. Like, yes. where did that yes. come from? Yes. But being like full of myself, I just did it. And what was the oh, oh, I'm they were like so regretful that they had sponsored my elevation to this position. They thought I was nuts. And thankfully the medical director was a hundred percent behind it. And my boss, who she got lots of complaints and she was very helpful strategizing. Okay, now what are you gonna do? How are you gonna handle this? And do you wanna back off and whatever? which I didn't, and we figured it out. Question for you, Danny. Yeah. Um, so the next time you were presented with something similar, yeah, you knew there would be a staff as well as patients impact in opposite directions, perhaps. Oh yeah, it happened right away, of course. So how did you handle it? I introduced it, I built the coalition, we figured out how to do it together. Well, the next thing was, that every physician had their own equipment. And so we were having to maintain this stock of all sorts of brands of the same thing, which when I got hired, ICU was a loss leader. And I said to the CEO, which or to the uh, chief nurse, which probably got me the job, is that there is no way I am leading a unit that's a loss leader. Forget it. it. It doesn't have to be that way. So not only did we end up with one line of everything, but we upgraded all the invasive technology. So all the monitors, everything like, and we broke even and, and that just took two years. Wow. 
So it wasn't, and thankfully, again, I had a wonderful medical director because I couldn't have, by myself, I couldn't have done any of that. Absolutely. But, but anyway, so I don't know why we got down this, this thread. Okay. I don't know that like those were some pretty formidable accomplishments, elimination of of urinary tract infections, visiting hours, equipments, monitor, breaking even like that. I actually don't know if I ever have done, have had those kinds of outcomes. Those are dramatic. Those are dramatic. They're clear. They're measurable. Right. Um, They uh, are both human centered and uh, good for the organization. They, they hit all the chimes. So I don't know. So if I think about this first year of PCORI, um being on the board, I, I don't know that I can say that, those kinds of things. On the other hand, I feel like we started with trust. And I think part of the trust was managing the role that I was not a detail, I was no longer a detail person. I was actually not that much of an opinion person. Which is, I still, I we'll have to, we'll have to parse that. But the role is really different, and I'm not in operations. And even though I had relationships with a lot of people at Picori through my doing, I did all sorts of reviews because being health hats, they could check off all sorts of boxes with me, and and depending on what they needed, I've worked across the continuum of care, behavioral health physical health. So I have expertise in in a lot. So they could so they used me a lot. So I knew a lot of people. And then I led an advisory panel for four years. And then I was on another one for a year. So I knew a lot of people. And I had relationships with those people. And I would communicate with them very occasionally. Not It's not like I worked in the same office with them. We spoke m- monthly or, you know, every couple months. So quite a bit. And that's not, being a, on a board is really different. So I feel like the first part of trust was making it clear that I appreciate the dilemma, the change, the difference. (laughs) And I think some of the stuff we talked about was, I had this longstanding regular communication with X. That's just not that appropriate. Maybe with her boss, maybe at the director level. And then just being free to say, having calls with the chair, or the executive director and saying, this is something that is interesting me or concerning me. And here's what I would do left to my own devices. And I just wanna make sure that let's talk about the right way to do this in my role on the board that's supportive of you and the staff. 
and not being a problem. Well, and and, and I think we talked about that, how to do that. A lot. And I, I think it's reflecting back on your story about going from the nurse to being the manager. There are there are changes at each level along the way. So I got a lot of management training when I first started, but I didn't get training on how to be a middle manager. Right. Right. So, right? Which is like Which is a night and day difference. Oh my even, goodness. Even, even being a manager, it took a long time for me to start appreciating that that it wasn't me getting the compliments. It was my staff getting the compliments and I got the shit. And, and that's the job. And that's the job. Exactly. You got to own it. You have to figure out how to take pleasure from that. Right. And then when you go from management at whatever level to being bored, right. it's the same kind of a sea change. And you have to do exactly those same kinds of thoughtful pondering about is this appropriate or not how far how deep can I go how much of this is my role and I think you did that thoughtfully and frankly enlisted the support of the rest of the board not just the leadership of the board but your colleagues yeah yeah I had a uh, a mentor that I made uh good use of too I'm thinking about the when I went had a c-suite job which is very different than middle management. And that has served me well here because frankly, I didn't do too well in it. I, yeah, I, I didn't do too well in it. I, I had a really good staff and the staff did really good work. So the function that I was leading, that I was mature there. But dealing with the culture of the C's, the various chiefs, oh my goodness, I was not that good. And I eventually got canned. And But I feel like that also made me realize how different the board. I, in that job, I served the board. Mm-hmm. And that taught me how much work it is for staff to serve a board. Yes. And I do know that I am heard on these board meetings. And we've talked about this. Like, how do you recognize being heard? And I feel like it isn't two or three meetings, sometimes one, where something I said or commented on has a life. Now, I think that some of it had been worked on for quite a while, but I speculate that it gave it a little more juice. Danny, one of the things I think I have been impressed with as I have looked at what you've been doing over the course of this time is that you were very clear when you started about the set of goals that you had for being on the board. Yeah. And 
you do a check-in with yourself very regularly and with me on how am I doing against those goals? How do I know if I'm doing enough, the right things, if they're moving forward at an appropriate pace? And I think you maintain that really laser-like focus on what really matters about your role in this particular institution and what you want to make sure happens as a result of it. And I, I, I strongly believe it's one of the reasons you are effective and you are being heard. I think that if I were to think about what are those things, I think it has to do with equity in the research process, not so much research on equity, because mm-hmm. I, I other people are going to take care of that. Yes. To me, it's that there's equity in the research process. I think it's community partnerships with researchers. And the caregiver focus like it it isn't just patients it's patients and caregivers Mm -hmm. and i feel like that attention to caregivers needs to be there isn't a constituency for caregivers there is for providers like there is for patients and then i think that leveraging the existing PCORI resources like the ambassadors and the advisory panels, which are diamonds for PCORI. And so I attend as many of those as I can because I want them to know that somebody on the board cares about what they're doing, that it's important, and it's a little tangent. So one of the things that you and I talk about and I appreciate in the coaching is I'm really aware that I'm this person with limited mobility sitting in this tiny little eight by 10 entryway of my flat, which is turned into my office. And I'm losing my train of thought. What are the levers? What do I have here? I feel like I have a a friend who is completely chair bound, has mostly mouth, head, neck, and she's an engineer and she has designed her chair. She can do like amazing stuff in her chair, but take her out of the chair and she's a fish out of water. I don't know if that's like an appropriate thing to say, but you get the meaning and she's, but I feel like, okay, so I'm aware that I have, I still have levers and it's, and so I think, so I feel like you got to use them. And one of them is an appreciation since I came up in PCORI as a patient caregiver stakeholder, I, I know the benefit of the advisory panels and the ambassadors. And I think about how do I, we elevate that voice. 
And I'm very fortunate. I think we're very fortunate that the staff, the people who staff those panels are pretty darn good at bringing their thoughts forward and incorporating that in their design thinking. And they go back for their focus groups and very powerful. But I think, I don't know, I think the board should like just so appreciate this. And I'm not sure they do. But I think it it's also one of the interesting things for you that I think, A, you've managed really well, but it's also part of the value that you bring, which is, first of all, the delicate balance is attending those meetings without being intrusive on their process, without having Keep my mouth shut. the board member warp what they're doing. Yes. And that I have a great appreciation for how difficult that can be, but you do it well. And then part of your role is to amplify what they are doing and amplify it in the context of board decision-making, which I think both. Yes. And strategy. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And And I think an example from this week is the rare disease panel. And one of the things that somebody said, I think it was the co-chair that, that, Rare disease is a community of disparity. Mm-hmm. I am not saying that, but we tend to think that there are disparities with people of color, that there are disparities, inner city, homeless, rural, a Native American. And when they, we think about the universe of disparities, So, you know, I don't know the word for it. Communities of disparity. It's not the right words. But that they want PCORI to be thinking about rare diseases as those kinds of communities. And personally, I think that's, I know you and I have had conversations that I try to introduce that if we're thinking about disparities and equity, my barometer is what are we doing with the homeless and the incarcerated populations? Like those are my barometers, but I think I'm going to add rare diseases Mm -hmm. because of that discussion with the, the rare disease team. Like I thought it was a brilliant frame. Yes. Yes. And it's certainly clear that there are communities that have even between rare diseases, there are disparities in how much attention they get, in whether they have a celebrity that's helping them, helping raise awareness, how much money is devoted to it, how much pharma thinks they can make a profit out of it. All of those things create um, unevennesses. Right. Not a word, but right between- No, no, no. It, it, yeah, whatever. It works. <laughs> It might not pass in Scrabble, but it works. The other thing, the last area I would say is that I, when you and I first met, we talked about trust and then where I put my energy and that the requirement was that I be in one board committee. I'm on three 
And one of them is governance, which is not considered a sexy committee. And there's only three board members on it. And I personally think it's a vital committee. And I know you agree because one of the projects we did together was a governance project. And we actually learned quite a bit in that project. Yeah. And so out of that, I marry my quality management background and think that the board needs a dashboard of themselves, of their work, and a dashboard of that's related to the national priorities. At this point, I, I'm, I'm ready to do the work to figure it out, to be part of figuring it out. And I say that because I'm a board member and I say that because this has been my life work. So I'm good at it. If I wasn't a board member, you could hire me to do this and you would get what you want. But I'm a board member. And so it's I'm I'm looking forward to a conversation scheduled next month that I'm having with the board chair and co-chair. And I think they're going around and they're just having their periodic checking in, which I appreciate that they're doing. And as you and I do, we think about what are the two things I want to accomplish in whatever meeting I'm preparing for. Yep. And so this is one. And so everybody who's listening, here's the inside track on Danny's coaching and thinking about PCORI. And those of you who are in PCORI and thinking about this, you're like getting this view into Danny's brain. Enjoy. I think the other thing is thinking about me as growing into more leadership role in PCORI as either a committee or a work group or whatever, I'm really good at this leading and mm -hmm. I love PCORI and I'm committed to it and I have the time. And that's a pretty, pretty nice offer. Have and, you and thought then, about which, where you would want to take? As when um, first thinking about introducing myself, I personally have interests which I try to be clear about. On the other hand, I tell the board chair and the executive director that I am their pawn. I'm a Renaissance person. I, I wear a lot of hats. I can do a lot of stuff. And so they should use, that's the most important thing. They should use me where they need me. Now, if they don't know, or if they want to like think about, I would like to be in a leadership role in the EDIC, the Engagement Dissemination Implementation Committee, because that's where my heart and soul is. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's what I'm doing there. But the board is rich with experience and skill and politic. And so there's not a wrong decision they can make because they have a lot of talent to use and they know more about people's experience and people's time 
and interest. I feel like my thing is to just be out there that I'm available. And here's what I'm interested in. You have, I can tell you have a thought here. I have a thought here, right? Um, (laughs) Because I think this is, this is a, one of the challenges of being a Renaissance person is that you can do nearly anything. And so part of it's choosing where you want to expend your precious energy. And you're absolutely right that saying, I, I, I'm your agent, use me as you will, is part of, is a, has been really important to building trust. But you also are a limited resource. And so balancing that with thinking about how you have the impact that you want in the areas you want. It's delicate, but I think you've established enough trust that you can be at least somewhat more um, forceful about the the places where you think you'd be most effective or where your goals most converge with the organization's goals? I'll say two things to that. One of them is that if I were to have picked the three places to be, it would be the three places they put me. So that's number one. So kudos to the chair and co-chair. The second is that we're at a place where I'm not sure where we're going and how we're reorganizing. And what will be like permanent groups, what will be temporary work groups. And I I don't know what they're thinking about. I sit at the table, strategy and governance, where these come up. So I have something to say about them and I'm in touch, but I'm not a, say I'm not a decision maker. I am. Anyway. I want to end, but I want to shift because one of the things that I think is important about your and my relationship as coach and coachee is that we don't just talk about my career life. That I've been, I don't know why I'm, surprised isn't the right word. I've been um, grateful that you pretty much every time we talk, you make sure that there are a few minutes about the rest of my life and that, you know, that how I have some consulting gigs, I have my podcast and I play music. And I'm a person with disabilities who has work to do to stay mobile. And so it's, that's a lot. And I really appreciate that you bring that up. And as a result, so I think one of the things that we've accomplished this year is that even though I went through a period of like way more disability for two and a half months of being like a mess and not being able to play music, which just killed me, 
it didn't just kill me. It was really annoying. I was really had some hopeless moments. It's yeah, it's heart yeah. uh, breaking. It was to think that I wasn't going to be able to play anymore. Oh, man, that was a bitter pill. But now I am playing absolutely more than ever and loving it. And so I have made some adjustments. I have declined some work. One of the things we've talked about is the alignment of everything, and especially the alignment of PCORI, podcasting, and my consulting gigs. I'm actually doing very little pro bono because hey, people are paying me. Yeah. I'm like, I'm buying equipment that I need and I have more time to play music and I'm, I'm enjoying that. And my rule has always been when my wife says she wants to do something, the answer is always yes. Give me a minute, I'll be with you. Whatever. To me, that's a really important. <laughs> it's really a key, a key to my happiness. I'm so glad that you brought this piece up, Danny, because one of the things that I have been, I have watched in, in awe, I think this year is your personal resilience in the face of the challenges that your health has brought you. And your, your continued problem solving around how to do it, how to be able to do it. And again, it comes in part with clarity of focus about what brings you joy and what you need to maintain that. But it's also about the mindset that says, I'll tinker till I get this. And it's, it's part of the way that you are always positive. You're always seeing a way through, or you, when you are feeling negative, you don't let it be the permanent home you live in. But yeah. it's also a mindset that's so much about possibilities and faith that there are possibilities, which then part help, you know, part creates them. Yeah. And that's been a joy to watch and and an honor to be a witness to because you are you're amazing. Thank you. This went longer than I expected, but this is our usual everybody. This is usual. We book an hour, we take an hour. We don't do it that often, like I said, we do seems like it turns out monthly and it feels like enough. And it helps me, again, continue focus, self-reflection. Self-reflection is so important. My The podcast that's coming out this week with Matthew Hudson, and it's a, a episode about the embedded researcher. Mm. Yeah. And, and he ends with, I ask him, what do you want to leave people with? And he ends with the importance of self-reflection and then supporting each other with our blind spots and our strengths. It's brilliant. It's just brilliant. I just love mm -hmm. that, that ending. So yeah. So anyway, 
Happy New Year. I am so grateful to you and our personal and business relationship. I look forward to the possibilities. And I gave you no opportunity to talk about yourself. And so someday we'll do that. But we can this... talk about legacy someday. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. I would do that. All right. And I, what I think also that I'm really delighted is I don't really think I need to edit this. I think I am just going to do a <laughs> one-minute introduction and, and end and just put it out there. The funnest thing we'll be thinking about the title. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm dying to know what you end up with. Yes. <laughs> so okay. it's been my pleasure, Danny, not just this hour, but the time we spend together. It's a high point of my month, always. Uh, well, great. Thank you so much. All right. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy holidays to you, too. So what did you think? Was it curious, boring, enlightening, motivating? Frankly, I was a bit anxious about sharing this with my Pete Corey colleagues. But if not them, who? I am who I am. Huge thanks to Jan Oldenburg for going along for the ride. Happy holidays, dear listeners and readers. I appreciate you and your contributions. I'm grateful for your support. I look forward to another eventful year, although a little boredom would be great at this point. Onward. See the show notes, previous podcasts, and other resources through my website, www.health-hats.com. Please subscribe and contribute. If you like it, share it. Thanks. See you around the block.